Last week was a lovely week. Did you miss Easter? Now, when I say, did you miss Easter, let me, I don't necessarily mean the flowering crosses or the full house or the incredible songs that Mark picked out and the team led us in. I mean, did you miss Easter in your daily life? Did you miss it? Did you miss the resurrection in your life? I know that for many of us, we believe in the resurrection, and we believe in what God did for us, but sometimes by the time you make it to your car, it eases away. It it just kind of fades. The power of Easter passes us by. If that's you, you're not alone, and you're not the first. Luke, in fact, records an amazing story in Luke 24. We're not going to take the time to read it today because it takes a while to read. Two, two men. Probably one of them is Luke, is what most scholars think. But he didn't name himself. Two men are walking away after Jesus has died. They don't know he's been resurrected. They miss that part. They're walking away to the village of Emmaus. Jesus had risen from the grave, but here they are going seven miles away from him, unaware. They knew his body was gone. They'd heard that bet. They knew Jerusalem was in an uproar. They knew that Jerusalem was not safe for believers right now. The same mobs that yelled crucify him were still loose in Jerusalem. They knew, and this is the important part, that their plans had died. Their dreams were dead. They were unsure of their future. Does any of this sound familiar? Plans dead, dreams dead, uncertain future, uproar in your mind, chaos in your head. And then Jesus comes alongside them, but they don't recognize him. They don't realize that it's Jesus walking with them. And I've had people immediately leap into, now how does that happen? Well, it was done miraculously, or, well, you know, he'd been through quite the ordeal, so he didn't look the same, or maybe he had a hood on. Could we stop that, please? Don't miss the story because you're looking at too many details. He pulls alongside them, and they're not aware. You have to ask yourself right now at this point in the story, maybe we missed Easter, but did it miss us? Has he pulled alongside us, and we're not even aware is the song that Jordan led for us here about still would indicate. He's, he's parting waters. He's doing things. Sometimes we don't see it. The Bible talks about this and says how many of us, in fact, have entertained angels unaware. Jesus gently opened the scriptures to them. This would have been figuratively. None of them owned the Bible. But they would have heard the scriptures enough to where the Bible says he told them everything the scripture had to say about him. The greatest sermon ever preached, and we don't get a word of it. Because the people who read the book of Luke knew it. They had told each other all about it. It it aggravates me somewhat that we don't get it, but we don't. What we do know is this. In the process, as he's telling them about this is part of the plan, this is not a death of your future. Easter did not miss you. They find themselves turned away from Emmaus and heading back to Jerusalem, back with the other believers, back with the group. 
Now, there were many here last week that aren't here this week. We do not judge them. Please do not ever judge them. Be aware that many people at Easter were not aware it was Easter. And they had wandered off to their villages. Some, like these two men, turned back. Others, not yet. One day, but not yet. Back in Jerusalem, Jesus reveals himself to them, and it all becomes plain, and two troubled men find peace because they'd met the Prince of Peace on the road. Isaiah gave him this title in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and a government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It was not the first time that Jesus had been prophesied to be called a God of peace. In Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10, interesting, now you're going to need to hang on this because it's an odd way that this became known as peace. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Now for the longest time, until he to whom it belongs was not really translated. It was given a word, Shiloh. And the name Shiloh came to mean peace. But the word doesn't mean peace. It means giving it back to whom it belongs, putting it under the feet of God. Now think about that. One of the great uh, um, horrible bloody battles in the war between the states back a hundred some years ago took place at a place that was named peace, Shiloh. But we only get peace when we hand back to God what belongs to God. So that handing back to him to whom it belongs came later to mean peace. He is Shiloh, the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the King. He is the King who is coming. He is the King who is here. He is the one to whom all authority belongs. He told us that in Matthew 28. He will bring us peace. Don't miss it. I've had people talk to me about, oh, I wish I could you know, have my kids back because I, I missed so much time with them or I didn't realize how precious it was. And sometimes young parents get aggravated at that, quite annoyed, because we'll hover over them saying, you're going to miss this one day. Well, not all of it. <laughs> there are bits of it you'll miss, yes. Not all of it. I, I was not aware how to be a parent. Cammie wasn't aware how to be a parent, and all of a sudden we were parents. We had to figure this out. I also found out something else. She was far more equipped uh, at how to do this than me. She would, you know, I'd come in holding my daughter by her heel saying, should she be changed yet? You know, I, I didn't know... You know, I'd be wanting to throw her up in the air and play, and my wife would yell, ceiling fan, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> She's always... We had a major argument once when she asked if I'd changed, my, uh, changed Kata, and I said, no. She said, why not? And I said, well, the box plainly says 8 to 12 pounds, and there's not that much in there. <laughs> and we had... I don't miss the diaper bits at all, but I do miss some of the other 
Some of it I knew was precious when it happened, but you don't really realize sometimes what you've got till it's gone, as the old song says. How can we call Jesus the Prince of Peace when the world doesn't look like it's at peace? First of all, be aware of this. The world's more at peace than you think. It is that our media has to continually frighten you so that you will be off balance to buy the products they are selling. You don't have to play. You don't have to play. As C.S. Lewis once said about the new invention of television, he said, if there is a sewer pipe leading into your house, it would be best not to open it. I think he had a point. Peace. How can we call him peace? When so many are troubled, I have times of trouble, don't you? When so much is still wrong in this world, perhaps it's because we're blind to our own blessings and perhaps it's because we missed Easter. It happened. We noticed some about it, but the power of it went missing. John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus knew about this. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That's where they're going to go. That's, that's just where they go. But don't let that go there. Don't take that bus all the way there. Don't be afraid. In fact, the most common command that Jesus gave us was fear not. Let's not be afraid. The Prince of Peace. How is Jesus' peace not like the world's peace? Well, the, pers- the peace that the world offers is based upon security. Now, this is not a political statement, and I'll explain why in a bit. It's based upon things like walls to protect us. The very people, though, that yell about some walls like their walls and lock their doors, and just be aware, you can dr- be driving along. What happens? The, the, the radio will tell you. Radio. It's a thing we used to listen to before iPhones came out and the whole iTunes thingy. But um, it'll come out and it'll say, you, you're going to outlive your money. Don't, you, know, you need to do this. You need to do that. And you need to put up walls, ADT, Simply Safe, whatever. All the time, keeping you off balance. They say, if you buy our stuff, you'll be at peace. Our walls, our locks, our system. To keep out the bad stuff and to keep in the good stuff. Sometimes our peace is based on everything going our way. Traffic flows. Maybe you have to get into Nashville and back. May God have mercy on your soul. And so, knowing the traffic pattern, you leave for the airport four hours early, and nobody's on the road, and you're there in 30 minutes, and you're going, wow, the Lord was with me. Guess what? He was also with you when you didn't move for three hours. That's what we've got to get in our heads. A guy wrote a book for teenagers, well, it's got to be 25 years ago now, that says, if Jesus loves me, why can't I get my locker open? Yeah. Sometimes we only get peace if things are really going our way. Everything is just coming up the way we want it to be. The roof holds out for another year. Our dreams are realized. We got that job. We got that new home. We got that new love. 
No, none of these are minor or unimportant matters. None of them. The, your, the flow of your day, love, security, none of these things are unimportant. All of us would like to have a life where everything went great, where those we loved love us, those we don't love are far from us, where everything just works. But if we had that, why would we need Jesus? Why would we need heaven? You're in heaven. Randy Harris famously says, so many of us are not really looking forward to heaven because we're afraid it's going to be a cut in the standard of living. We, we need to remember this. If Jesus did not escape Gethsemane, why do we think we will? And yet, he had peace even at Gethsemane. See, here's the thing about Easter. And it, it might disappoint you a bit. And if it does, I get that. I really do. Easter does not offer us a pain-free life. Easter does not offer us a life without scars. In fact, the resurrected Jesus bore scars in his body. He didn't miss Easter. He was Easter, and yet he was scarred. We will be too. Jesus walked in the heat of the day. He struggled. Look at Psalm 3. We're, we're, you may wonder why about that. This was part of their songbook. We sing songs because he lives, I can face tomorrow. We sing encouraging songs. Over one-third of their songbook was like this. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? I think there was an alto lead on the next bet. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts up my head. We pull that one out and sing that one. Here we go. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. That is very true. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Let's go back to that one, shall we? Is that, um, normally we say, don't let me fear by letting me have any enemies. But here, God's letting you know, when you walk with me, there will be Gethsemane days. Let's go to the next slide. Thank you. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on a jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. One of my favorite songs. <laughs> it has a counter melody in my head. It's a refrain. It's, it's like a worship song. We sing that verse 15 times over. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. I, I want to talk to you about that. This was written in the middle of war. So the verbiage is strong. As our brother told us, don't be afraid to pray. Although I've got to tell you, brother, I'm not six feet either. I can't six, see six feet on a stool. <laughs> and if ever I lead you in prayer, don't get comfortable. Because it's not going to last that long. My prayers are kind of short. If I pray with Albert, I always let him go first. And then I just say, ditto. <laughs> it's all I got. What he said, Lord. While we may act like some of the verbiage of Psalm 3 bothers us, the fact is, don't you understand it? 
Well, we've heard it before. We've heard it in our hearts and our heads. Lord, smite them. Lord, stop this. C.S. Lewis told the pacifist club in London during the war that he was not a pacifist. They had invited him to speak to the pacifist club. He said, I'm not a pacifist. And his reasons boil down to, this isn't heaven yet. We're not out of the war territory yet. This world is a troubled place. This world missed Easter. So this morning, they're going about their, their days, worrying about the election in France, worrying about the economy, worrying about health care, worrying about... They missed Easter. They're on their own road to Emmaus. And if we're honest, sometimes we walk that road as well. But since the world has missed Easter, it is ill-equipped to give us peace. It will run around saying, here's peace, here's peace. But when it does, I want you to think of Chuck Woolery. I'll explain. Chuck Woolery made his name by doing some game shows. That went away a long time ago, but he became quite wealthy. For some reason, he's decided to get more money, and he hawks every cure, you know, Australian emu something, rub that on you, that'll fix you. I've been using it for 15 years. Wait a minute. It hasn't fixed you in 15 years. Or get this little thing that shines red lights on your knee and that'll fix it. I don't think so. Or do this or do that. They're always pushing these cures that don't cure. Or do this. Go visit a Walmart, a Target, whatever, and look at the vast array of Excedrin. This one's for migraines. So we call them migraines. We really do. I don't know why. This one's for arthritis. This one's for that. This. Now, after you've looked at all the varieties, look at the ingredients. They're all the same. It's just the labeling that's different. Same with cold medications. What am I getting to? The world always says, this will fix it, and it doesn't. This will fix it, and it doesn't. If they come to you and say, this is peace, and it isn't, why are you surprised? We don't get our peace from this world. We can fool ourselves into thinking that something from this earth can make us happy and give us peace, but we're not from this world. My father used to say to me with no sense of irony, Patrick, as an outsider, what do you think of the human race? I later grew up to accept that role. We're not from here. No wonder we don't feel at home in this world anymore. The peace Christ offers us is based upon the presence of Christ and his promises, as we sang today. When we believe, we remember Easter. We can move forward then because we have peace. Peace is a gift that Jesus gives to those who trust what he says. Look at Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, that means made right through faith, we have peace with, we have, current, present tense here, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access, past tense, it's already happened, by faith, into this grace in which we now stand. 
and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Whoa. We have peace. We have been glorified. And we're still suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out, past tense, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The word suffering did not disappear when Jesus showed up. We don't have the absence of storms with Jesus. We have faith in the storm. We have peace in the storm. Think for a moment of how we are to react to a troubled world that insists upon troubling us. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I want to stop right there. Some people misuse this passage. And they will say, rejoice about everything that's happening to you. No, no, no. It doesn't mean that when something bad happens to us, we accept that as a gift from the hands of God. We're aware we're not alone in the universe and some of the things out there don't like us. But regardless of what is happening, we rejoice. Let your gentleness be evidence to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We take our petitions to the King, the Prince of Peace. When this was written, people would have gone, whoa, we don't really get it because you don't have a king. Can you take your petitions to the King? I am told, while I'm old, I'm not quite that old, I am told that even during the time of the Civil War, uh, war between the Straits, northern, northern aggression, whatever you want to call it, that the White House was still open and people would just walk into the White House, walk around and find President Lincoln and present him with petitions. It used to be you could do that. I wouldn't recommend that today. <laughs> it's hard to even drive by now. Never say drive by in White House in the same place, by the <laughs> I'll be meeting people in a Chevy SUV later. The, uh, the whole point is, we, we don't have a king, but we kind of have a king. I'm, somebody was talking about, have you met this famous person, that famous person? And, I, uh, and they were talking about in government. Most famous person I met wasn't intentional. I was in Columbus Airport just standing there by a door that doesn't open when it opened. And men with suits came out and shoved me against the wall. I was not in favor of this action. I was wondering, why am I being shoved against a wall when a woman walked past? It was Janet Reno, who was the attorney general at the time. And so they said, who is the most famous person you met? I said, whoever shoved me against the wall in behalf of Janet Reno. <laughs> I ain't going to say hi to her. We didn't have lunch. But the God of the universe will stop everything if a two-year-old, as was said, wants to talk to him. He will take our petitions. He answers. And before you say, as I have said, yeah, but he doesn't always answer yes, that is correct. But doesn't he answer yes most of the time? 
Most of the time when you ask that you get well, don't you? Most of the time when you ask if your kids arrive, that they would arrive rather safely home, don't they? Most of the time we get what we ask for. Somebody in this room asked for rain. Stop. Ask later, but we cry out to God when things go wrong. But have, we ever, have you ever wondered why things don't go wrong more often? We should. Think about the gifts you've been given, the privilege of birth. You get to live in a place with riches and freedom that boggle the mind of other people. Your children get to play with multicolored toys and hear sounds and learn things that are so much better than children born in most of the world who don't have stimulus coming at them all the time. The privilege of birth. You heard the gospel. Somebody asked me last week, they said, what would have happened if you'd been born not in a Christian place, but in a Muslim country or a Hindu country? My response, as honestly as I could say was, then I would have been a Muslim or I would have been a Hindu because that's what my people were and that's what I knew. The discussion went on from there, but the point is, why do you know Jesus? Privilege of birth. He sought you. He put you here. Why does your marriage last? Why does your health endure? And if you're thinking, well, my marriage didn't last, I get that too. One of my favorite men on the planet is John Mark Hicks. Many of you know him. As I, uh, he and I spoke to a group of about 40 ministers the last two days, or well, I guess it was Thursday and Friday, in, uh, in Arkansas. And as we went around introducing, the first guy stood up and said how long he'd been married. So everybody did that. You know, so I, you know, I stood up, I've been married you know, almost 38 years and came to him and I didn't realize it would put him in a spot. And he stood up and he said, I've been married 35 years, three women. One died, one left me, one's still with me. I hope she stays because I don't think I can talk for her into being with me. And his point was not look at me, poor me, but rather even in the midst of all of this, God has not deserted me. He is still with me, and he is still with you. Why is this church here? This church stuns and amazes me. It really does. I can take zero credit for the character of the love and grace and mercy of this church. It was here before I got here. I just joined in. Why is it here? Shouldn't this have dis disintegrated by now into angry, arguing people? but it didn't. Thank God for that. It means we're not on the road to Emmaus. We didn't miss Easter. We walk with God and let him tend the garden of our hearts. William Blake, the great English poet and artist, best known in America for that little rhyme that starts, tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night, wrote this, I sought my soul, but my soul I could not see. I sought my God, but my God eluded me. I sought my brother, and I found all three. 
The peace of God moves our heart to stillness and our bodies to action and fellowship. This is our family. These are our people. We will walk with them. The world doesn't understand this, but the world is hungry for it. God then recruits us to join his team, the peacemakers. Notice, we're not called the peaceful. We're called the peacemakers. Sometimes we will need to disarm evil and drive it back. Sometimes we'll need the shield of faith raised high and press into battle. Sometimes our songs need to have a line about battle in them. If the shield is blocked by the way we live or because we missed Easter, then we need to change the way we live or our faith will be taken from us. Those of you that have uh, toured Europe know that as there are steps inside the castles, they will tell you, watch your step. Not just because they're trying to avoid lawsuits, but because at least one of those steps will be higher or lower than the others. It is called a trip step, so that those that come charging in to take the castle will fall because they, they get into a rhythm and the rhythm's thrown off. Or if you climb the towers, the towers are designed to where you climb in a clockwise way where your shield cannot be brought over into position. And they'll have trip steps there too. God says, watch your feet. Keep your shield up. Change the way you walk. Change the way you live. The just will live by faith. Keep faith going. That's your shield up. As the scripture says, one faithful man says, though he slay me, I still will love him. I still will believe in him. I still will follow him. We're given peace in the here and now. Loss of status, a palace awaits for you. You're a child of the king, and you will be personally crowned by him. Loss of goods, heaven waits. Loss of family, as Jesus says, here is your family. They will bring you peace. You will live, are you sick? Are you in pain? You will live one day in a land without pain, without sickness. Fear of aging, not if you look upon aging as a path to life. Remember the widow in 2 Kings 4, one of my favorite stories. Elisha, when he comes across her, she only has enough oil and flour meal to make one little cake. Uh, it's not cake cake, it's like cornbread cake for her and her son to eat and then they will sit there and starve to death. She will not go into prostitution as many single mothers, widows had to do to survive. She had no other way to survive, no family. She was just going to eat the last meal with her son and sit there and starve. Now, Elisha says, go around your neighbors and borrow pots, borrow jugs and jars. That would have been a hard sell because you, it, these are precious things, but she went around and her neighbors obviously loved her enough where she got many of them there. Elisha prayed and oil filled them enough to where she, she not only had enough to make food for herself, but to sell for money to stay alive. And I always think about something which is never said in Scripture there. God filled every jar she brought 
but he didn't fill a single one she didn't bring. God will treat us as our faith requires. He will fill us. He will fill whatever you bring him, but he will not fill what you do not bring him. Perhaps we trust God so little because we've invested so little in him, visiting him from time to time in worship and study, but not giving him control over our everyday life, instead striking out on a walk to Emmaus. Or perhaps we are people of faith doing the best we can who just happened to miss Easter. Good news now. If you will open your eyes and your heart and seek for him, the Prince of Peace will meet you on the road, but be warned, he will not allow you to keep going the same direction. He will not leave your life alone. He will redirect your steps. He will turn you to fellowship. He will bring you to a family. He will bring you to a place of faith, an act of service, seeking your brother. You will find all three. And he will bring you peace. The last passage today. Before I read it, I want to stay up there. Mark, you can bring your team up. I want to talk to you about Genesis 1. Keep the verse up, please. A verse, rather, a chapter which I find one of the most beautiful chapters in Scripture. It's a poem. God, God says, God created the heavens and the earth. Bereshith bara Elohim. God created the heavens and the earth. But the next picture we get of it is chaos. Until the Spirit moves over the chaos. And when the Spirit moves over the chaos, He creates order, place, beauty, life. There is something in physics known as the chaos physics, uh, theory. What we've learned about chaos is that it isn't. We thought it was. We thought it was random. If you, I'm not going to go into the details of it. I'm just going to say you might want to go to YouTube and look up fractals because they look like going everywhere, but then they suddenly become beauty. Whatever chaos is in our lives, let the Spirit come. Let him hover over you and see what dreams the Lord has in store for you. Would you stand, please? I am not your leader. I am your brother. I'm one of you. Therefore, I will not read this over you as a blessing. Instead, I ask that we all read it as a blessing over all who are here. Read with me. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with all of you. And the church says,